Let's do that this morning. Psalm chapter 51, verse 10. Familiar passage, just one simple scripture this morning. Uh, the psalmist, David, uh, writes these words. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Amen. I want to speak to you this morning as, as brief or as long as it may be, but on this subject, create in me. Amen. Can we lay down our Bibles and ask the Lord to help us this morning? God, we are so thankful to be in your house this morning. Thankful, Lord, for all of these faithful saints of God. I pray that you would minister in this house to us. God, give me an ear to hear, a mind to understand, a heart and attitude to receive and respond according to your word this morning. God, enlighten minds, enlighten hearts, I pray this morning. Lord, we want to receive from you, God, the engrafted word that's able to save. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it. Why don't we just love the Lord just for a moment longer? Thank you, God. We worship you, Jesus. You are faithful, God. You are wonderful, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Amen. You can be seated this morning. Many of you may be familiar with the passage of Scripture that we took as a text, and it is uh, comes at a time in David's life where he messed up. He slipped up. And, um, but I think the, the, the concept that I want to convey this morning is in just the first three words of, of this part of his prayer that we read this morning. He said, God, create in me. Create in me. We know that the creator of the universe, creator of this world, the creator of, creator of our own lives, of course, is the only one who has the power to create. And uh, when we try to do our, put our hand at things and, and take things into our own, our own hands and try to create, try to uh, materialize out of the things that we're giving, we're never actually creating anything. Really, all we're doing is, in some cases, making copies or creating images or, or uh, we're sculpting things. And, and, and Scripture deals with some of this. We'll get into it in just a, just a little bit here today to uh, dry, drive this point home. Amen. But anytime we try to create, it's really not creation. Like, if you're an artist, you like to draw, uh, you're creating a beautiful image. We use that term. Wow, man, that person so talented can create uh, this um, amazing tapestry, amazing uh, if you're in fabric or, or draw, drawing images and these things. And we, we use that term create, but they're actually not creating anything. There's just a, it's an image that's embedded in their mind and using the tools that, that we've created, that, that have been, there I go using the word again, that we've, we've uh, developed over uh, years and centuries and, uh, and just illustrate. It's more of an illustration. It's, it's an image. It's a picture, if you will. Jesus, or, or the Lord spoke in, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, says, The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be in 120 years. Skipping down to verse 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart's was only evil continually. This is at a time where uh, just before the, the catastrophic flood where the Lord told Noah, I'm going to destroy the earth. I'm going to destroy everything that I originally created. And what got the Lord to this point? What, what, took, what, what was it that, that caused the Lord to arrive at this conclusion that, it, that what I have created is no longer good? That what I have created is no longer in its original state, but it, to use the Lord's words, it is wickedness, man. And, uh, and the Lord says this wickedness is derived out of the imagination or the thoughts of, the, of man's heart, which was on evil continually. Amen. And that, that I think, is a, is, a, is a perfect depiction of where we end up. That if, if we solely rely on our own intellect and our own ability and our, our, our 
our will and our ideas, then we will end up in the same state that Noah's generation ended up. And the Lord is going to come to us with that same mentality. Now, the Lord promised that he would not destroy the earth with water again. But he did also tell us that he would destroy the earth with a fervent heat. And why? Because mankind has gotten to a place of, 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 of trying to create, trying to recreate uh, from what the Lord has given us. If you'll bear with me for a little bit, amen, I think we will hopefully all get to the same place together this morning uh, if the Lord will give us some grace. Um, these, these men were doing nothing extraordinary. These were just men and carrying out the imaginations of their heart and their mind, the thoughts that occurred to them, they would execute. They would, they would just do what uh, appeared in their mind. And the Lord said that ended up in what, what the Lord designated as wickedness. God called it the wickedness of man by our own standards. If, even if we feel like we are, we are doing well, that we're doing good, that we are overcoming, that we're succeeding in our life. I mean, the Bible tells us in one passage, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but our righteousness is as filthy rags that, that, that no matter how good we try to make it, it's not good enough. Matthew 24, verse 37 Jesus speaks, says, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. There the, Jesus is illustrating for, for those who are listening that, that this picture of individuals who are marrying and giving in marriage and, and they were eating and, and drinking and, and uh, having a good time. And, and I, could, I could use those same descriptors today that, that mankind is solely interested in, in feeding themselves and, and getting what they can get out of life, what, what I can get for myself, how, how good can I make life, how good can I experience life, how good can it be? Many people uh, traverse dangerous things just to get to America. And with all of the criticisms that apply to America, they still are doing their best, Brother Hall, to get here because they feel like they have a better opportunity, a better chance to get a better life. Amen. And, uh, amen. and there is an ever-increasing uh, uh, ignorance of of righteousness and goodness the the actual good things that the lord has given to us in its original state and just bear with me for just a few moments longer this morning amen when the new testament when the new covenant when jesus came to earth to establish his promise with us amen things were different acts chapter 17 verse 30 the uh the, the apostle writes, and the, at the, and the times of this ignorance, God winked at. There were times of ignorance that the Lord said, it's okay. But not any longer. Because he goes on to say, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Verse 31, he says, because he hath appointed a day in that in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that time whom he hath ordained. Whereof he hath given assurance to all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. Every way of a, of a man is right in his own eyes. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 2 tells us. I quoted it already but Isaiah 64 and 6 says, We're all as an unclean thing. Our righteousness, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And I think, I don't know if all of this was in the mind of, of the psalmist when he wrote this scripture. But I know that he realized that himself had fallen to a place that I can't fix this situation. That 
the things that he had already tried. If you know the story, it was a time where he was supposed to go to war and as a king. And, and the Bible uses the phrase that the times when kings go to war. And David did not go to war. He stayed at home. And then he saw Bathsheba on the roof bathing. And so out of the lust of his eyes, he pulled her into his, uh, into his home. And, and they had a child together. And then you, you know the story. Well, maybe you don't know the story. That's why I'm recounting it for you this morning. But then he said, whoa, whoa, I made a mistake. I've, I've got to fix this. So then he calls uh, Uriah home and, and he tries to uh, fix the problem. And so... He gives him a letter, and he carries his own death warrant to the captain. And, and the, the letter told the captain, why don't you go um, against the enemy? And when the battle is, he, in, is, is heated up, when, when the arrows are flying, when the swords are swinging, let the men back off and let this one um, die. And so... Uh, you could see how David progressively g- came from this one sin to another sin, and it just progressively got worse. He thought he was fixing the problem. He thought that what that his next idea was the best one he had. He thought that this other idea, oh, maybe I can fix it doing this. Maybe I can fix it doing this. And 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 time after time after time, he kept coming up short. And and the Lord sent a prophet to him and said, "You're the man, David. You've got to repent." I mean, if if, if anybody else in this kingdom. If it was anybody else in this kingdom, they'd be given their life for the things that you have done. But, be, but I'm going to have mercy on you. And if you will come and you will repent, then you can continue to live. So David, when he heard that message, he said, God, create in me. I mean, can you imagine with me for just a little bit this morning? I mean, David had this desire that God, if I could just get rid of this old man, if I could take off, amen, this old style of living, if you will, amen, and you can recreate. Start over. I want a new heart. I want a new mind. I want a new life. Amen. If if you will, I understand consequences will still remain. But God, if you will, create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart. He took his hands off of it. He stopped trying to mold his life the way that he thought it ought to be. And said, God, I'm putting it back in the creator's hand. Create in me, create in me, create in me. Hallelujah. Amen. We can read throughout the Old Testament the number of times the children, the chosen people of God, tried themselves. They looked around, they saw. The nature of, of mankind at that time where they were molding and creating their own gods. They were manufacturing these gods that they would worship. They call it the sun god, the river god, the, you know, the, all these different gods. And they were issued a command in Exodus chapter 20 verse 4. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Notice the Lord didn't call it. A God, even with the little g, God. He called it an image. When we get this understanding that no matter what we try, no matter how hard we try, we actually cannot create anything. We can't make anything from nothing. He's the only one that could create something. And furthermore, he's the only one that can take something and make it good. Hallelujah. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. The wise man said there's nothing new under the sun. I think what the Lord is telling them in this command is no matter how uh, novel you think your idea is, no matter how new you think this God is that you're creating, uh, you're never going to create anything new. 
It's in the heavens. It's in the earth beneath. It's in the waters. I've already created everything that there is to be created. So why don't you just let me create what I want in you? Why don't you just yield to me and allow me to do the creating? Why don't you take your hands off of it? All you can do is create a copy. All you can do is create an image, but I can create. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thou shalt not make any graven image. A command very clear that the Lord didn't want us putting our hands on things. He didn't want us trying to issue, create our own uh, image or copies of God. And we got a little bit further to go this morning. And the reason God doesn't want us creating our own image is because it becomes an idol. It becomes something that replaces him. Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord, I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God. I'm the only one that's got this power. Why would you look for an image or a copy or a replica? Why would you think that the thing you created to put on your shelf has more power than what I have? Hallelujah. Why would you think that that book or that philosophy or that idea that was created from the hands of some other man would have more intellect and reason and ideas than what God has originally created? Everything, amen, every idea, every philosophy, amen, the Bible calls them vain deceits, amen, those things that are created in the imagination and in the thoughts of man always are a copy always are an image of what God has created. Hallelujah. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. Notice what the Lord, how the Lord describes the ones who create this image. The ones uh, that bow down to the image or the graven image that they create. He says, of them that hate me. This is an act of hatred. This is an act of, act of uh, rejection. You're, if you're willing to take a graven image, that, that meager copy, and bow down thyself to them and serve them, you're telling me that you hate me. Leviticus 26, verse 1, Ye shall make to you no idols, nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall ye set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it. For I am the Lord your God. Hallelujah. By default, these graven man-made objects inherit our corruption. Corrupt men are interested in changing what we know about God. What the Bible shows us about God. This is an incorrupt version of God. This, what you see in God's word, this was given to us by holy men of old who are inspired by God's spirit. So if you want to know what God looks like, what he acts like, what he does, how he speaks to his people, this is where you ought to be looking. Amen. But those of you that are, are not willing to look there or, or trying to look here, but create another copy, listen to what, uh, Apostle Paul told the Roman church in Romans chapter 1, verse 23, he says, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image. We can't change God's nature. We can't affect God, who he is and what he is and how he interacts with mankind. No matter how, what kind of religion and, and what kind of society that we build, we can't change God. Amen. But we can change our image of what God is. We can change what we think about God. And, and it can be wrong, but it's still, and it, but it is merely an image. Amen. But if we can, instead of creating an image of God, amen, search the scriptures. Jesus said, for in them you think you have eternal life. This is how you'll know who God is. Amen. Don't create an image. Don't create a knockoff. Don't create a, a different iteration. Amen but go to the source. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But Paul said they changed the glory of the incorruptible God. Uncorruptible God. 
into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed feasts and four-footed feast beasts wow and creeping things when we create an image of god it is inherently less perfect because it comes from imperfect hands when we create our image of God, whether it's a stone or carved out in wood or put on a shelf or merely in our mind. The, 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 I believe it was a, the wise man that said, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. He didn't say that the fool has created uh, an image. He, he's created this God outside, but he said it in his heart. Nobody even knows what's going on in the heart. We don't even know how wicked our own hearts are. Amen. And the, the Bible tells us the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool is the one that creates, a, amen, a, a separated image from God's, uh, from God's description in his own word. Amen. Friend, amen, if you try, amen, to create a knockoff religion, if you try, amen, to create your own version, well, I don't, I, I don't like that part, but I do like this, and I don't like this, but I like this. Amen. Friend, what you're doing, you're creating an image of God. Furthermore, it's a corrupted image of an incorruptible God. A God who's, who cannot be corrupted. What, so what does that mean? If we're serving this, this, this corrupted image, this corrupted version of what we believe God to be, then that means that we're not serving the one that is incorruptible. When we create an image of God, it's inherently less perfect. It is incomplete. That's what in the scripture, when you read the word perfect, it means complete. So if we're creating an image of God, it is, it is a copy. It is an incomplete rendition. It's infused with our flawed thinking, our own ideas. It lacks necessary and vital characteristics of God. They do this more than I, I, I mentioned this. I mean, I, I don't want to get too sidetracked, so I'm just going to keep going. Our finite imaginations can't comprehend the infinite wisdom of God. Our, our human imaginations cannot encapsulate, cannot gather in our minds his perfection, his holiness. All we can do, child of God, is strive to understand him. All we can do is read his word, amen, and try to understand him through what God will reveal to us in prayerful study of his word. And even that is a meager straining, is a meager effort to understand who God is. Psalm 145 verse 3 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Romans eleven thirty three through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? And who hath been his counselor? Who, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things everything that you know everything that you exist that exists has come at the hand of the lord everything to him to whom be glory forever amen the the world and in various ways in various forms various societies and various religious practices they have created their own images of what they think god should look like Rather than allowing him to create the image he wants in us. We've got it all backwards. When, when we talk about religion, when we talk about this, this style of worship and this style, what, what, what we're talking about is creating our own iteration of what God is. And what God is looking for is not for us to create him, but is for him to create in us. 
We ought to yield to him no matter what you look like, no matter what you sound like, no matter how you reveal yours. Whatever you got to do, God, create in me. I want to take my hands off of what arrogance and what what pride does it what kind of pride does it require for us amen to put our hands on what we believe God to be and create that image amen but what humility and what what grace amen if we were to come to God and submit ourselves our life our mind our spirit our heart our soul say create in me created me created me and then take those eternal hands and wrap them around my heart God take your arms and wrap them around my life and change me create in me God Hallelujah, hallelujah. Many of us go to church, amen, weekend after weekend. Amen, many of us even go on midweek services. Amen, some of us have our own prayer life. Amen, but how often do we approach that closet and say, God, what about me needs to change? Do I need to change this? Do I need to change the way I perceive this about you? How should I walk? Should I walk like this? Should I talk like this? Should I speak? Oh, do I need more love? Do I need more joy? Amen. Do I need, amen, more of you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Or do we take, take that creative power out of his hand and say, no, I've got it. I submit to you that if you never encounter him in your quote-unquote prayer closet, then you have already taken the power of his hands. You, can I say it this way, in the, in the way of the Old Testament where he said, this is those that hate me. And I, I don't, I'm not saying that you hate God. That's, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Let me try to clarify. I'm not saying that you are, but you, you are trying to, you are trying, your life is, but if you are not willing, you persistently and consistently reject his changes that he wants to make in your life, the, the things that he wants to do, then I would say that's a result of a innate hatred. But if you're willing, say, God, whatever, I'm open. I'm open. Genesis 101, in the beginning, God created. From the very beginning. Everything that is, everything that will be, is the result of God's creation. The heaven and the earth. Can I just stop there and say everything that should be, or everything that is in your life and everything that should be in your life should be the result of God's creation. Allow God to create in you. Verse 31, and after we read a series of instances where the Lord creates this, that, the sun, the moon, the stars, the fowls of the air, the, the, the fish in the sea, the, the mammals that walk on, on earth. The Bible calls it good. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. In the evening and the morning were the sixth day. When God created man... In the same passage of scripture, backing up just a few, the Bible tells us that he created man in his image. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. He doesn't want us to just conform to the world. He doesn't want us to just fit in with what's going on around us. In fact, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You want to be complete. You want to be perfect. Then you've got to be transformed. Again, let, let me go a little bit further. It was, it was the... It was, 
the fall of man. It's, it was the, the, the disobedience of Eve and Adam that, that introduced this, this, that broke us away from that perfection, that broke us away from that goodness, that original state of goodness that, that we found ourselves after the Lord's uh, creation. And so it requires that we submit ourselves willingly to His hand to be created again, to be transformed one more time. The enemy has blinded the eyes of those that are lost so they can't see the light of God's gospel as it shines on those who are bearing his image. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel, Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Uh, Apostle Paul writing to the, the Corinthian church. He's writing with an audience, which is a church in Corinth. He's telling them that, that you ought to be uh, uh, replicating this image that Jesus bore. When Jesus came to earth, uh, he was bearing the image of God. We ought to stand out as a church. If we've been... Uh, uh, transformed, as I have mentioned, that we ought to bear that image boldly with an incorruptible uh, rendition. We should not try to taint it and say, well, you know, I, I like the way this feels better, so I'm going to do it this way. No, we should take the, the original image and bear that image for God. Let him create the image in us, and we will bear that for him. If we don't, then those who are blind will never see. But if we do, it's the image, it's the glory that shines from that image that illuminates their eyes so that they can't see. If we allow God to create in us the image that he wants to, for us to show, then those that are blinded, those that can't see, they will see amen, the perfect image of God. If we allow his hands to create in us, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Adam fell and in doing so became a representation. Him and Jesus together became a representation of the salvation message to come. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not that the first, that was not first, which is spiritual. In other words, the first one wasn't spiritual. But that which is natural, in other words, it was flesh, it was carnal, it was after the natural way of life. But after the natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. Just bear with me for just a moment. 47, the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. We've already identified that this second man, Jesus, is the image of God. It's the perfect image of God. So the second man is the Lord from heaven. Verse 48, he says, as, as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. That's us. We're earthy. We're in, in that natural state. But he goes on to say, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. That's what we want to be. That's what we ought to be. If we're bearing the image like Jesus is, that perfect image of God, if we allow him to create in us that perfect image, image then we would be heavenly verse 49 and as we have borne the image of the earthy talking about us if as we have borne the image of the earthy we shall also bear the image of the heavenly what a promise how do we do that how do we get from the image of the earthy to the image of the heavenly how do we take away our images that we have built how do we take away the 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 the, the graven images and the and the idealistic idols and images that we have created in our own life and bear the image of the heavenly listen i'll try to help you this morning verse 50 now this i say brethren that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god neither doth corruption inherit incorruption somehow we've got to get out of our human flesh somehow we've got to get away from this natural way of being and if we can discard of this image that is earthy then at that point we can take on the incorrupt image of God 
Oh, hallelujah. Are you still with me this morning? Behold, I show you a mystery, he goes on to say. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Amen. We must put on incorruption. We must uh, take this mortal image that we have, this mortal being that we have, and subject it, subject it to uh, the immortality, amen, that God has given to us in the only way child of God, the only way, amen, that we can do it is if we allow him to create it in us. Scripture teaches us, as you read, I don't have the time to get into all of this, but Adam, when he, the Bible used Adam and Jesus as the second Adam, the Bible calls Jesus the second Adam, and he uses that little example to, to demonstrate for us how we can take on this new image. What happened to Adam? Adam sinned. We've all sinned. Come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that. Not one of us have made it through life without making a mistake, without sinning, without missing the mark. That's what the word sin means. But for those of us who have sinned as Adam did, and those of us who have fallen as Adam did, once we die, then that makes way for the second Adam, or the new, uh, so once the natural dies, once the, the carnal dies, when we give way, amen, to the new Adam to come into our lives, as it were, amen, then that's when we can discard of this mortal body. That's when we can discard, amen, of this, uh, this corruptible image that we bear and take on incorruption. Hear me, child of God. We'll never take on perfect incorruption until we make it to the other side, amen. But there is a process that we can go through, even today, amen, that we would allow God, amen, to create in us one more time, amen, just like David did, amen, in his prayer of repentance, he came to the Lord and said, God, I'm sorry, God, I don't want to live this life anymore, God, will you create in me, take me to the days of creation, take me to the days when you were creating, amen, and discard of my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If the first Adam will die, then the second Adam will come. Hallelujah. It was after the fall of Adam that the Lord tells us that, that, we will, that man will have a limit to life. We'll live 120 years, whatever that what we just read just a few moments ago. That there must be a death. There must be. Be, I don't know what the Lord's original plan was. I don't know if he intended. That's beyond me. You could talk to the, the scholars among us if you wish amen, to find out the answer to that. Amen. I don't know what God's original plan was, but after Adam's, death, after Adam's sin, then God required death. Hallelujah. That's why it's important amen, that we come to the Lord and say, God, I, I, and this requires a consistent death. Apostle Paul talks about, I take up my cross daily. I, 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 there's so much going through my mind right now. I don't, want to, uh, I don't want to miss the point here. But I want you to understand amen, that in order for you to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, in order for you to receive amen, that second Adam in your life, you want to become put on the incorruptible image. Uh, again, you can't totally become perfect until uh, we reach the other side. But there are things we can do in this day, in this age, and today, in this service uh, that will allow us to put, let God put his hands back on our lives, to allow God to to readdress us and change us and mold us and make us new. Hallelujah. The way Jesus told it in the parable of the wedding was that it's a garment. That we take on a new garment. I don't want to read the whole passage. You can read it for yourself in Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Master, 
the Bible says is, is like the kingdom of heaven. This, is, this wedding is like a kingdom of heaven where a king and his son, the son of the king, was getting ready to get married. He sent forth the servants, invited them to the wedding. And some of them declined the invitation. So then they said, why don't you go into the highways of the Bible compel others to come? And so the king would not have it if, if some would not come to the, the wedding. So th- this is a time of celebration. This is a time of commemoration. We're enjoying life because my son is now getting married. So I want attendees. I want people to come. But not just anybody. Well, actually, let me correct that. Yeah, anybody that's willing to come can come. But you you can't come just any old way. Jesus says in verse 10 of Matthew chapter 22, So those servants went out to the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both both bad and good. Anybody. And the wedding was furnished with guests. Verse 11, and when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And then he says, saith unto him, friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him to outer darkness. Where there shall be uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. I mean, everybody that's in this place has been issued that call. Everybody that's in this place, you wouldn't be here if the grace of God didn't draw you to him. Amen. But it is by his grace, amen, that we can make it all the way. And if he requires of us in order to go into the wedding to put on this garment, to take on uh, uh, this garb, then I'm willing to put on whatever he gives to me. Amen. I'm not satisfied with the garment that I chose in the morning or the life that I chose to live, if you will. Amen. But if he requires requires a certain garment, if he requires a certain tapestry to be worn, I'm willing to put it on. Hallelujah. Amen. I feel like when I go to church, amen, it's kind of like I get to, for just a little bit, take that white garment out of the closet and put it on. I feel a little bit closer, Brother Hall, to bearing that image. I feel like when the power of God is moving, where the Spirit of God is, is in this house, that, that it's, it's almost like I've, I've reached back into the back of the closet, pulled out that, that white garment and said, oh, I'm, just, I'm at wedding rehearsal, if you will. I, I'm, I'm going, I, I want to make it right. I want it to be perfect. I don't want to just, I don't want to just make it. I want him to analyze everything I've got on, everything uh, amen, that I'm wearing before the actual feast, before the actual wedding, so I can be presentable. God, create in me. If you don't like this, take it out. If you do like this, make me to do more of it. Sister Tori, you could come Amen. I don't want to go in ill-prepared. Bible teaches us that when we take on that new image, that we are a new creature. Galatians chapter 6, verse 15, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. It isn't anything that you can do. This reference to circumcision and uncircumcision is a reference to the Old Testament law. To those who, who would study the Old Testament and, and try to understand all of those laws, all of those uh, precepts, and all of the things that the Jews are required to do in order to please God. And at that time, during that time of ignorance, as we read earlier, where God winked at I think th- those things are certainly necessary. But as Apostle Paul also said, you begin to play, that those were a type and a foreshadow. The circumcision and the uncircumcision were a type and foreshadow of what is to come. But now he doesn't any longer require circumcision or uncircumcision, but he requires an entirely new creature. He wants to change us. He wants to make us New, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Wow, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? All those things that you regret. All those things, those decisions that you wish you can go and undo. Guess what? 
If you go through this process of allowing God to create in you, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It can only happen in the hands of God. I can only, I can't, I can't do that. I can't, I can't say the right words. I can't create the right imagery in your mind, evoke the, the correct emotions. That is all and only by the power of God. If you want a new life, you've got to come and say, and tell them, God, I want a new life. I want to do away with who I used to be. It's like David, create in me. Created me. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to the prophet. I'm not asking him to give me a, a a word that will that will change the course of my. life. That's not what I went to the source. I'm going to the one that sent the prophet. I'm going to the one that gave me this. I feel the Holy Ghost drawing right now. Jesus, when he walked on this earth, is the physical manifestation of God. On earth. He wasn't just another man. He was the perfect image of God. He was the perfect every contour, every, every, every word, every, every emotion that was evoked from Jesus. It was God. It was God. Every word that he spoke, he said, I came not to destroy the law. I'm not coming to do away, amen, with everything that Moses gave you. But I come to fulfill that law. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus was not just another man striving to be like God. He was God striving with man. And God has come into this place this morning. Again. <laughs> Many of us are waiting for the second coming of the Lord. That physical representation of the Lord coming back to get his own, his bride, his church. Amen. But before then, he's got some wedding garments for us to put on. He's got some things, some characteristics, some things that he wants us to change in our life. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, by, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Only he can do that. Only he can deliver us from darkness. Only he can redeem us. Only he can translate us from this earthly kingdom to the kingdom of the Lord in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. That's why He strove with mankind. That's why He put up with us, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be washed, so we could be redeemed by His blood, so that we could be changed, so that we could take on the image, verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. This is how Jesus was the perfect image of God, because He was God. He was the one that spoke eternities into existence, universes and worlds and light and darkness and stars and life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Principalities and dominions and powers. Child of God, you feel like, I mean, maybe it's just bills. Maybe it's just finances. Maybe it's just health conditions. Maybe it's life. Hallelujah, but every single, well, you can name it, whatever it is, I mean, it is subject to Jesus. He can recreate it. He can rearrange it. He can, re he can address it in your life today. Why don't we all stand together? Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did 
predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. He wants us to be like him. That's really this message. Created me, created me what? Created me as, as much like you as possible. Make me take away all the things that are unlike you. Oh, friend, we got such a long way to go. Every single one of us, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. In order to become born among the brethren, you must take on his image. You must allow him to rebirth you, to recreate you. Jesus took on the image of God, and he was considered the firstborn among many brethren. You say, well, yeah, that was Jesus. He was perfect. He never felt anything. He never, he never felt any pain. What? Excuse me? He never, uh, he never, he doesn't know what I'm dealing with. Are you sure? Do you know that to be certain? My Bible tells me in Hebrews 4 and 15, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Everything that you face, no matter how hard, no matter how big, no matter how little, he has felt the same thing. He was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. He was the firstborn to show us that we could do it. He was the firstborn to show you no matter how many times you've fallen before, and no matter how many times you will fall in the future, if you continually, God, forgive me. God, I'm sorry. Die out one more time, Adam. Let the new Adam take over. you got to continually take your cross daily, as Paul said. He said, I die daily. Why? Why, do you, why, is, why is this such a morbid message? It's not about being more. It's, it's about getting rid of the things that are in your life that are not like Him. The things that you have created. The things that you want. Another scripture says, I want to want the things that you want. Hate the things that you hate. I, I'm failing to remember the reference or the direct quotation, but... But, the, but the, the concept is the same. I want what you want. I want to become like you. Change my... Oh, he come on. Shut up. Why don't we just lift our hands to the Lord right now? Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. If that's you this morning, amen, if that's your desire... God, I've tried so many times. I, I put my hand to it, and, and I keep messing up. I keep making this. Friend, every time you try, you're going to make a mistake. Every time you put your hand, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall apart. But if you would allow him to create it, let him, amen, put his hand on it. Let him, amen, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. If you step out of that natural and into the spirit, those infirmities become like nothing. Hallelujah. We know not what to pray for as we ought. But the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Why don't we all come to, the, to these altars? These altars are open. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You can't do it with your own hands. What you need is the Spirit of the Lord. 
Psalms 104 verse 30 thou sendest forth thy spirit they are created hallelujah thou renewest the face of the earth Psalm 51 and 10 create in me O God a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit hallelujah 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 is that your prayer this morning 